To Helen, Edgar Allan Poe, 1848. I saw thee once, once only years ago. I must not say how many, but not many. It was a July midnight, and from out a full-orbed moon that, like thine own soul soaring, sought a precipitate pathway up through heaven, and there fell a silvery silken veil of light with a quietude and sultriness and slumber upon the upturned faces of a thousand roses that grew in an enchanted garden. There no wind dared to stir unless on tiptoe fell on the upturned faces of these roses that gave out in return for the love light. Their odorous souls in ecstatic death fell on the upturned faces of these roses that smiled and died in this parterre enchanted by thee and by the poetry of thy presence. Clad all in white upon a violet bank, I saw thee half reclining while the moon fell on the upturned faces of the roses and on thine own upturned elast in sorrow. Was it not fate that on this July midnight was it not fate whose name is also sorrow that bade me pause before the garden gate to breathe the incense of those slumbering roses? No footsteps stirred the hated world and slept, save only thee and me, O heaven, O God. How my heart beats in copulating these two words, save only thee and me, I paused and I looked. And in an instant all things disappeared, I'll bear in mind this garden was enchanted. The pearly luster of the moon went out, the mossy banks and the meandering paths, the happy flowers of the repining trees were seen no more in the very roses' odors, died in the arms of the adoring airs. All, all expired, save thee, save less than thou, save only the divine light in thine eyes, save but the soul in thine uplifted eyes. I saw but them, they were the world to me. I saw but them, saw only them for hours, saw only them until the moon went down. What wild heart histories seemed to be inwritten upon those crystalline celestial spheres. How dark a woe, yet how sublime a hope. How silently serene a sea of pride. How daring an ambition, yet how deep, how fathomless a capacity for love. But now at length, dear Diane, sank from sight into a western couch of thundercloud, and thou a ghost amid the entombing trees, didst glide away, only thine eyes remained. They would not go. They never yet have gone. Lighting my lonely pathway home that night, they have not left me, as my hopes have since. They follow me. They lead me through the years. They are my ministers, yet I their slave. Their office is to illuminate and enkindle my duty to be saved by their bright light and purified in their electric fire and sanctified in their Elysian fire. They fill my soul with beauty, which is hope, and are far up in heaven the stars I kneel to, and in the sad, silent watches of my night, while even in the meridian glare of day, I see them still too sweetly scintillant. Venus is unextinguished by the sun. Annabelle Lee, 1849. 
It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea that a maiden lived whom you may know by the name of Annabel Lee. And this maiden, she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee, with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud by night, chilling my Annabel Lee, so that her high-born kinsmen came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sculpture in the kingdom by the sea. The angels, not happy, so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But her love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And the stars never rise, but I see the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so all the night tide, I lay down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride, in her sculpture by the sea, in her tomb by the side of the sea. And Valentine. 1846. For her, this rhyme is penned whose luminous eyes, brightly expressive as the twins of Loida, shall find her own sweet name that nestling lies upon the page enwrapped from every reader. Search narrowly the lines they hold a treasure, divine, a talisman, an amulet, that must be worn at heart. Search well the measure. The words, the syllables, do not forget. The trivialest point where you may lose your labor, and yet there is this no Gordian knot, which one might not undo without a saber if one could merely comprehend the plot. And written upon the leaf where now are peering, I scintling soul, there lies perdu, three eloquent words oft uttered in the hearing of poets, by poets, as the names is a poet's too. Its letters, although naturally lying, like the night pinto Mendez Fernando, still form of cinnamon for truth, cease trying. You will not read the riddle, though you do the best you can do. An Enigma, 1847. Seldom we find, says Solomon Don Dutz, half an idea in the profoundest sonnet. Through all of the flimsy things we see at once, as easily as through a Naples bonnet. Trash of all trash, how can a lady don it? Yet heavier far than your patriarchy and stuff. How downy nonsense that the faintest puff twirls into trunk paper what the while you con it, and veritably soul is right enough. The general tucker manatees are erect, bubbles infernal and so transparent, but this is now you may depend upon it. Stable, opaque, 
immortal, all by dint of the dear names that lie concealed within it. To my mother, 1849. Because I feel that, in the heavens above, the angels whispering to one another, confined among their burning terms of love, none is so devotional as that of mother. Therefore, by the dear name I long have called you, you who are more than mother unto me, and fill my heart of hearts where death installed you in setting my Virginia's spirit free. My mother, my own mother who died early, was but the mother of myself, but you, our mother to the one I love so dearly, and this our dearer and the mother I knew. By the infinity with which my wife was dearer to my soul than its soul life.